0: Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loras College. In this episode, we will talk Loras history and discuss the Lynch Learning Center with Diane Gibson. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and I'm pleased to welcome my co-host, Bobby Earls, Director of Alumni Communications. Good to see you again, Bobby. Thanks. It's Great good, to be here. It's good to be in person, actually. It's been I a while since we've I love being recorded. in person.
1: I know we've been recording some of our podcasts remotely, and that's wonderful because the stories are too important to not to do that. But there's nothing like being together. Yeah, so a, love it.
0: A, always good to be face to face. And of course, we're face to face with our featured guest, Diane Gibson. So Diane, welcome to the Duhawk Digest.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
2: I appreciate it. <laughs> well,
0: we're
1: we're going to have lots to talk about with Diane. I'm okay. so excited. <laughs> Diane, I think a lot of people remember you from your time in the Lynch Learning Center. And your time and your influence on that, I don't know if everyone truly appreciates how that started, your role in it, and then how significant Loris's program is today as it was when you first started. Talk a little bit about arriving at Loris and walk us through that path.
2: Well, I started here in 1986. I remember it was the summer of 1986, and I just had left my job as a consultant for Keystone AEA. So I was interviewed by Sister Bernadine (laughs) and others, and Jerry Jorgensen at that time was the uh, immediate person involved in the counseling center, which is where I was going to be housed. But Sister Bernadine became my first boss,
1: and um, what a great first boss. What a great first <laughs> boss.
2: Supportive allowed me to do things that I wanted to do. I did a lot of research in those early days because basically I was, I was asked to provide services for students with a variety of learning issues, including um, dyslexia, learning disabilities affecting writing and reading and, and math, and also individuals with ADHD. Mm-hmm. So that was my task. And so I went about, researching everything I could find about programs that were good. And I was able then to implement what I thought was the right right approach. Mm-hmm. And from that was born the Lynch Learning Center. Exactly. From the beginning, Bill Lynch and his family were big supporters of what we did. Mm-hmm. And I was super appreciative because He and other parents, actually, of students were able to donate funds that allowed us to be really up on technology from the beginning, Mm -hmm. and that was highly unusual. Many of the students that came to us with disabilities from high school uh, were very pleased to find out that we had services beyond what they ever had. So we had things like uh, books on tape, and eventually we ended up with uh, programs that allowed students to listen to the entire tape and take notes as they went along. Wonderful, wonderful technology that would not have been possible without some of those early people that supported us, like Bill
1: Lynch, Joan Ryan. I can name others as well, (laughs) but they were wonderful in getting us off the ground. And Bill is a 1964 graduate of Loris, and to give a little framework and background, his daughter Kelly graduated from Loris. Uh, His son-in-law... Kelly met her husband here at Loris, Bob Johnson, graduated from Loris, and now, Bill Lynch's grandson, Bobby, is here at Loris. So this generational impact uh, and connection back, as well as, of course, Bill serving on our Board of Regents, has had a huge influence on the footprint here at Loris College and within the Lynch Learning Program.
2: Exactly and what was unique about our program, I want to just mention that, is that we had what we called an enhanced program in addition to what were considered mandatory services. And this may sound boring but it isn't. Um, The enhanced program allowed students to have a weekly meeting with me and later on it became Judy Curtis and then we had other people that I'll talk about too that saw students. But in the beginning, I had a class of 16 students, they saw me twice a week in class, they saw me once a week individually, and for two years I was on my own. And then it grew so dramatically that I knew I needed to hire someone else. And so that's when we had Judy Curtis come on board, and she stayed with me for quite a few years. So the weekly meeting was crucial, as well as the class, which helped them with organizational skills, time management, uh, reading, writing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. It was an interesting development over time and we changed it a little bit along the way but basically students did pay for the extended expanded services but they didn't pay for things like books on tape
1: mm-hmm. or a quiet
2: place to take a test that right. kind of right
1: i think with this program too it opened up a dialogue that took the stigma out of learning disabilities and that is so important today as we talk about differences and how we are really all similar People would be surprised to know that graduates of your program are PhDs, are doctors, are lawyers, are successful professionals who are having an impact in their communities, and it all reflects back to that guidance that you provided and those within the program provided.
2: There are some interesting stories related to that. First of all, when I was first on campus, I remember there was probably some naysayers and a few doubters saying, why are these individuals here? Are they qualified to be in college? And yes, they were. The problem was that they had not always had services. Many of these students took ACTs without extended time. They're not going to do as well. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of there were people that were sort of doubtful. Uh, ironically, some of those same people who were doubtful eventually came to me and asked questions about their own children, mm-hmm. their grandchildren, wanted to know about ADHD, that type of thing. But one other thing that's important is that because of the nature of what I did, I treated things confidentially. I didn't go up to people that didn't have a need to know and say, "By the way, this person is in your is is my is in my learning disabilities program." So yeah, I always was very confidential, and I had a sort of a running joke with students. It's sort of a joke, saying that if I see you on campus, I'm just going to nod my head very slightly, so I know I'm not acknowledging you, but you don't have to say a thing, mm-hmm. because then you have to explain who I am, right. and why you know me. Sure. So I didn't want you to have to do that. So. One of the downsides of my job was I couldn't always brag about how well some of those students were doing (laughs) because I respected their confidentiality. Mm -hmm. On the other side of that, I had students that came in scared to death that people would know that they had a learning disability that were working with me. And by the end of their time at Loris, they were giving talks in their psychology classes or in their education classes about what it meant to have a learning disability. Right. That was their call. I mean, it wasn't me to
1: let others know about them. You gave them the tools, and and that gave them the confidence.
2: Yes, and many went on, like you said, to be teachers, Mm -hmm. social workers, attorneys. One of my favorite ones is a person who went on to become a professor of history, and when he first came to Loris, he admitted he had never read a book. Mm -hmm. Now he's writing them. Oh, my goodness. So I think those are wonderful things to think about. And uh, I always told people that graduation day was probably the most wonderful day mm-hmm. because there was an opportunity to, to se- see what they had accomplished. And I always thought that they were very brave, a lot of them, because sure. school had not always been easy for them. Mm-hmm. And here they came to try college. And I did talk a few out of leaving. I also <laughs>
1: talked a few out uh, and
2: told them that it might be time to leave because they weren't quite ready for that commitment. Sure. So that was part of my job, too. Yeah. But
1: it was an interesting uh path with those students. The program not only attracted students to LORIS, but it got the attention of other institutions around the country. And I know that you also visited Notre Dame to kind of give guidance, as well as many other institutions. Talk a little bit about how others started to take notice of our program here at LORIS and utilize some of that information to develop their own curriculum.
2: I think it might have started a little bit with the, I was asked to, um, do a forward for the K&W guide for students, for colleges that had students with learning disabilities. And I wrote basically about what it took to get into college, what kinds of things you should look for, just to make sure you had programming that was appropriate for, for you. And so that started a little bit, but then there were a few students that came and their parents uh, wanted other institutions to know a little bit about what we did. And so my biggest advice was make sure you take students that really are going to make it Mm -hmm. you know the worst thing in the world is to just take them because you're doing a favor to a parent or something like that and Mm -hmm. and then they don't succeed Mm -hmm. so that was something that yes so I did go to Notre Dame along with Judy and we talked with people and they were looking at what they were going to do for
1: services and
2: I wrote a handbook and Mm -hmm. did those kind of things too as part of my job
1: which Mm -hmm. I think were helpful You've also developed relationships with students, as do so many professors and coaches and staff members on campus that have lasted to today. Uh, Talk about those types of relationships that were born from this program.
2: Well, interestingly, I think I was very fortunate because I got to know parents as well as students. When students came to interview for the program, they came with their parents the parents came into the room so everybody heard everything about what I had to say and what the students said. And um, I always told parents, I'll, I'll let you talk in a little bit, but this is the conversation between the student and myself. So I got to know parents in addition to the students. And, yes, I've been to many weddings. And... Um, <laughs> other graduation parties, and things like that. So I have enjoyed the opportunity to interact more with, than just with the students themselves. And that helped when I did make a change in my career path in 2011, and I became a development officer. So when I was a development officer, part of my the people I saw were my former students, and sometimes their parents, in addition to lots of other people. Sure. So that added on to my Loris uh, knowledge and I ended up reading lots of literature about Laura's professors because when I would go out and talk to people, they wanted to know about Father Schulte, Monsignor Schulte, or somebody else. And so I could at least know what they were talking about. Right. So I added to my base of people that I got to know, in addition to wonderful staff, faculty wonderful people here at LORIS that I got to know. And one of the things I'm especially proud of is that I was involved in developing the professional staff organization, which later we helped the hourly staff organization, which now is called the LORIS staff organization.
1: Absolutely.
2: So that was something, and I got to meet people from all over campus by doing that. Uh, I also participated in the life of the college when it came to committees for the mission statement, mm-hmm. the curriculum, the um, searches for presidents, vice presidents. So I got an opportunity to interact with a lot of people on campus because of those things, too.
1: And I think those interactions bring about probably some pretty fond memories for you. Arriving, you know, in the Mm mid-80s and staying with Loris through, gosh, it's been three years now or four years?
2: It'll be four years in December since I I retired. cannot believe that. December 2016 is when I retired. That's
1: crazy. After 30 and a half years. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And because of those 30 and a half years, you have have some wonderful stories and you've worked alongside some amazing individuals. I know Bud Noonan. I love Bud Noonan. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. And, and he is a walking history book of all things uh, stat related to athletics, as well as history related to Loras. And he was one of the huge supporters of your program and of you.
2: He was, and I'll, I was especially grateful to him because he helped me when I was registering students. And if you understand a little about, a bit about students with ADHD or learning disabilities, they don't need back-to-back classes. They don't need hour-and-20-minute classes a lot of times. Now, later in their careers, obviously, they had to have those classes. Sure. But in the beginning, I was able to work with Bud, or I called him GB, I mean, I know he has yes. about 5,000 different names, <laughs> <laughs> and I, tr- right. I chose GB. I just like GB. So he helped me out with registration, which was very, very helpful because mm-hmm. it was hard always to get a good schedule right. for a student, and having a good schedule for students with uh, a variety of learning disabilities was super important. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, GB has a special place in my heart.
1: To so many of us, to so many of us. But
2: people. I also need to say something about when I first came in '86. I was, I think, 36 years old, and a lot of the you people... You were a baby. Yeah, I was a baby, <laughs> and a lot of the people that reached out and were terribly friendly were a member of what I would call the old guard at Loris. Jack Bamrick, mm. um, let me think, Jim White, Bob uh, Frank Noonan, G.B. Yeah. Noonan, G.B. Noonan. Yes. Yeah. Noonan. Uh, yes, all of those people were lovely. I went on golf outings with them, I remember, in the early days, so... I was welcomed by a very lovely group of people. Mm-hmm. Donna Bowerly welcomed me. I, a lot of those people were, were just delightful to work with. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I really was grateful for that kind of welcome.
1: Well, you left the program in great hands when you transitioned from the Lynch Learning Center to the Advancement Office working in development and helping out with fundraising. Back when you had the program, there was a long list. And an, as you mentioned, an interview process that continues today. The popularity of the program has not only grown, but so have some of the services. How does it make you feel to see the addition of you know, autism to our program as well as other approaches to helping those with learning challenges?
2: Well, one thing I should say is over time, in the beginning I would say you had the individuals with dyslexia. They just had some learning problems with reading or writing. Mm-hmm. Math was also challenging for some. And then it grew into more with students with ADHD, mm-hmm. and eventually we had students that were on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. and we pri- we provided services for them too, but in a slightly different way. I think it's been formalized now more mm-hmm. with the program, but yes, we saw that whole shift shift mm-hmm. in numbers and what and people coming. But I still think that it offers uh, services that are needed for the population. You know, sometimes people say that. Disability is just a social construct. It's just mm-hmm. our problem. But I'll tell you something. For the individuals I saw, there were definite challenges that they faced. And I'd love to think that those challenges don't exist mm-hmm. anymore. But they do. They do. I always wanted to be uh, have no job at some point because everybody <laughs> would be understanding. But you know, students that go out in the, in the world, they still face people that don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of students in the past that said, "I don't tell my employer." that I have a learning disability or ADHD. Because look, if there are two people equally qualified and then somebody finds that out about me, that might weigh on them and I don't want to take that chance. So we'd like to think that people are enlightened out there, but there's still a lot of misinformation Mm -hmm. and lack of understanding. One of my favorite things is I can go to a wedding and people will say, well, how do you know so-and-so? And And I say, I was their advisor, which is not a lie.
1: Right. it's I was their
2: advisor until they declared a major. Sure. But then that person will many times reveal, well, I have ADHD. And they might be the most successful Mm -hmm. person there. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of interesting. I can always tell who's probably told people what I do in addition to being an advisor and those that were probably a little more cautious about it. Mm -hmm. But trust me, it's still a lot of misunderstanding out there about what a learning disability is or what ADHD is. And so I understand the caution of of individuals. Sure.
1: What are some of your precious memories, those that are fond or humorous or maybe they were a challenge and they challenged you or inspired you that kind of come to mind as you reflect on your 30 and a half years at Loras?
2: The students with ADHD were probably the most challenging for me. And I had to really adapt over time. So in the beginning, I could put students in a circle in the classroom because I wanted them to interact and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Not so much when I had individuals with ADHD. We had to go back to a little more traditional seating because Mm -hmm. it was too distracting for them. Mm -hmm. So those are some things I learned along the way. I think one of my favorite things is that I wanted students to get a sense of both the world around them and also be community contributors. So it fits with our mission, doesn't it? Yes. Um, so we adopted a class at uh, Lincoln Elementary School every year. And so each of our, my students in my class that I taught would have a student that they worked with when we went to Lincoln. And we'd go like three times a year to their place, and they'd come once a year to our place where we nice. entertained them and had some special activities. So when we went over there, these students would be listening to the students in like a first grade or th- second or third grade class read. And I got it, you could really sense a little bit about how they reacted to those students and felt like they were contributors. So I really liked that part of it. And uh, also, I had subscriptions to Newsweek in the early days in our class. And so we had quizzes every week about the Newsweek. And students were pleased that they actually knew things that were going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Because if you're like me, when I was in college, I think I was in a bubble. Mm I didn't know that there was a problem with the moon landing in 1969. I I, you think about those kind of things and you think, okay, I wanted them to know more than other people did. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that was sort of fun is that because we worked so hard on doing good advising with students, they really knew the curriculum inside and out. Mm -hmm. And they would drag their friends in to say, he really needs some help with some advising he's got some problems so they would be referring their friends they become mentors that were not yeah. did not have any learning disabilities wow. to us to help them out with the, hmm. their course selection and that kind of thing so those are things that make me very very pleased and one of my favorite memories is I went to a wedding a few years back and there were like seven young men who actually had been in the program and they stayed all four years in the program because after the first year you had a choice you could continue with a weekly meeting, but there was no class anymore. So surprisingly, many people continued all the way to graduation with a weekly meeting because it kept them on track, mm-hmm. and it kept them accountable. Sure. So I went to this wedding, and there were like seven of them that had all been in this one class. Mm-hmm. And one person took me aside and said, you know, when I was in high school, I was sort of a, a mess. I, was, I had ADD. I didn't have friends. I got in trouble a lot. But I came to Loris, and I found my group. Mm -hmm. and they're still my group and they were all around him they were the groomsmen in his wedding they were best friends and that said a lot to me that you don't always know what you're providing for people but what we were providing and I want to give credit to a few people Dolly Colbert was my first secretary Ann Beckman worked with Sister Bernadine in the counseling center and we were side by side in our offices absolutely Judy Curtis was the first person that worked with me Along the line, I had some very able people that came in and were associates and had students just like I did and taught a class eventually, too. And those people included uh, Jim Mills, Mir Fox, who's still here. Mm-hmm. I think it's now Mir Wolf Fox. Mm-hmm. It was Mir Wolf when I knew her. And um, also Kathy Winklehag, Marianne Oberdorster-Moss, um, And then Rochelle Fury was our secretary for many years, and she was like the glue that held things together. So I worked with some amazing people in the Lynch Center, so I am forever grateful to them for making the success of the place. Another fun thing I'm just going (laughs) to mention is that we had a lovely little conversation area and tea and coffee station in our office. And after, when students came back for their weekly meeting, many times they brought their tea and my tea back. They knew what I liked. And so that started our, our, our conversation about what do you have to do this week? Right. How are you doing in classes? Mm-hmm. Is there anything we need to talk about? So after a while, I had students that would come in with a list of things that we needed to do. And these were people in the beginning that didn't want to keep a planner, had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. So when you saw those kind of things happen, you recognize that, yes, there had been movement and change and the other thing that happened more recently is I've had students now who've had their children come to Loris and so it's been delightful to see some of them come prosper do well yes and also saw families that had more than one member that came to Loris which was also very very unexpected sometimes and also appreciated
1: you have truly impacted Loris in such a positive way that the National Alumni Board has recognized you as the 2020 Distinguished Alumni Recipient for the campus contribution. And this is funny. I call Diane up to announce that she has won. And she said, you know, Bobby, I'm not an alumna, alumna <laughs> of, of Laura's. And I said, this is the one category. <laughs> you don't have to be an alumna of the college or an alumnus of the college this is really recognizing the impact that you had here at loris but also the impact that you've had in the community beyond loris and that speaks well for loris because you are out there representing and you continue to live out those dispositions within the community of dubuque and we're just so thankful and grateful and we can't wait to celebrate you at homecoming in october this fall
2: thank you it's quite an honor and uh I'm I'm looking forward to it too. Wow, well,
1: we we're gonna have a lot more stories to tell. That
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Those exactly. oh, so are the stories
0: we can't put on that we can't record. You just <laughs> right. right. I'll, I'll talk.
1: I'll talk. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Diane. This You're has welcome. been so delightful, and I know that people are going to listen to this who maybe don't know much about the program, know you, but maybe don't know much about the program. They're going to learn a lot. So, thank you for preserving this history with us.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Diane, thank you. It was nice to meet you, and I'm glad that we could hear your stories and get the origin of the Lynch Learning Center. That's really, really great to share out. So, thank you again for joining us. You're welcome. And, Bobby, thank you again for sitting in and doing a fantastic job.
1: My pleasure. This is so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, thank you to everyone who listened into our discussion. For more podcasts, as well as Loris news and features, be sure to visit the Loris Daily at daily.loris.edu. And while you're there, feel free to click on the button at the top and sign up for email updates. We hope you'll join us for the next DoHawk Digest. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other, and go DoHawks!